0: claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of RSN's varies by zip code and package high speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply
1: hey guys I just wanted to take a second to talk to you a bit about game time if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months you've heard us talk about the game time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports concerts and all types of shows I was looking at the app the other day actually I was thinking about buying some blue jackets tickets and the thing that I like the most about using the app is that when you click on the available tickets it actually shows you a view of where the, the seats are, so you kind of get a feel for your sight lines, how you would be viewing the game or the concert or whatever you're going to before you actually purchase the tickets to make sure that's the kind of section you want to sit in. I thought that was pretty cool. Now game time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you need to do. Download the game time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code The Athletic. Use The Athletic. Once again, that's the Athletic all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money for tickets to concerts, sports, all types of shows. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who use this code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, just a couple of weeks from now, so make sure you move quick and score those last minute tickets. <laughs> Culture is the culture. It's
2: four to six, A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to the latest edition of Four to Six with A and B. I'm here with Bill Landis. I'm Ari Wasserman, and we're in Landis's room. Casita. It's his casita, and for some reason, it looks like he has turned down Room, uh, room turnover.
1: I uh, I usually don't do uh, the room service thing.
2: You don't like when they make your bed
1: and clean it? No, I'm just going to get back into it. And I'm the only one who's been in it. So um, if I need, like, towels or whatever, I'll ask for that. But I had enough towels in here to last me the week.
2: We've got plenty of towels. Thanks. Um, So this is it. This is our last podcast, I think, before. Oh, don't say that. That kind of made me sad. Before Ohio State faces Clemson in the college football uh, semifinal at the Fiesta Bowl. And I think this is the golden ticket time. This is when we have to make decisions on what we think is going to happen in the game. Um, we are not prognosticators. If we knew exactly what was going to happen, I would be living in Las Vegas, and this podcast would be live from my swimming pool overlooking the mountains. Um, but I do see a mountain out the window. Yeah. I mean, this is the hotel I would stay in if I was a professional gambler. Is this like,
1: uh, I've been meaning to ask you that, like this is a really nice hotel. This is a nicer hotel than I would ever stay in. Where does it rank among the other really nice hotels around here?
2: Like the Phoenician is beautiful. I've stayed there. Like where Ohio State's staying, the princess I've never stayed in the princess but it's a very nice place. I mean they're all kind of similar. Clemson's
1: <laughs> hotel is just down the road, looks pretty nice. Trevor Lawrence was talking about how they each have like their own private villa.
2: Yeah. I mean it's Scottsdale. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but the reason why I like this hotel so much is that it's not a regular hotel where the rooms are in one place. I like aside from the fact that it's impossible to find your room, once you do find it, I feel like it is like a little mini house. Mm-hmm. um and they're just to me i like um spacious rooms and i love this place and i think it's very scenic but um
1: it's where time stands still it says so on the front of the hotel
2: all right well we're making this podcast stand still right now there's cacti going everywhere so <laughs> jk dobbins uh was very adamant that he was his teammates were calling it cactuses and it's actually cacti is the plural
1: i mean that's what it says in the dictionary yeah, there are a lot
2: of cactuses here. So but I
1: also come from a city that uses the word "john" to describe literally everything. So, <laughs>
2: um, so Bill, I know that you've been uh, digging deep and you've been leaning one way. You've teased it on multiple podcasts, so I'll let you begin. Um, why do you think what you think, and what do you think, and reverse that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been I've been leaning Ohio State
1: for a while. Basically, uh, I think I might have said when when the game first came out, I thought. Uh, like my initial thought was Clemson, and then I watched all those games that I watched for the big film study that I did, and then been out here for a week listening to people talk, asking questions, talking to other writers who were here, and um, I just began to feel even a little bit stronger about Ohio State winning this game. So, so that's my pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Ohio State. Um, I was tempted to go pretty high. I was tempted to go into the 40s because I, I do think. It's going to be um, kind of a shootout, and I think more and more it's just really hard to stop the elite offenses in college football even or in the NFL, even if you have a really good defense. I just think the game favors the offense. And it's rare that we see two high-powered offenses like this get shut down, so I don't think other ones going to get shut down. But I'll, I'll stop short of going into the 40s, and I'll say uh, I'll say Ohio State 38, Clemson 35, because I think it's going to be a classic kind of game, or at least I want to be. Bet the, the over. So I'm going to speak it into existence. 63 is the over, right? Over under 63. 63, 64. Spread yeah. is, is Clemson still favored by two as we're recording this on Friday afternoon slash evening. And I suspect it'll stay there. It hasn't really moved at all, has it?
2: Nobody knows what's going to happen.
1: No, I know. But you, I mean, you're, still, you're used to seeing a little bit of line move, but This really hasn't moved. I think it
2: opened at like one or, but like there's no difference between yeah, one and two. It's, yeah,
1: it's, yeah, marginal. So,
2: um, yeah, um, so I think I, that's Vegas's indication of the toss up.
1: I like Ohio State 38 35. Um, I, I think Ohio State's secondary is built well enough to and really the defense as a whole is built to limit big plays and i think clemson kind of thrives on that both in the run game and the pass game um greg madison this week was was sort of reiterating the fact that ohio state's entire thing and why they play a lot of zone coverage and why they play off with the defensive backs the way they do and why they have that one deep safety in the middle of the field is because they want to keep everything in front of them and inside sort of in that, you know, draw a triangle behind the offensive line and out to the deep safety and make that a point, and and Ohio State wants to keep everything in there. And if you do that, you know, you can move the ball, but I don't know if you can score um, quite, quite as much as Clemson wants to slash will have to to keep up with Ohio State. So I like the way Ohio State's defense is structured against Clemson, and then I just think more and more that Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball. And I'm not sure about Justin Fields' knee. I think it was a little fishy that he was kind of coached to not talk about it when he met with the media for media day on Thursday. But I think he'll be mobile enough and is a good enough passer to get the play-action pass game going. And I just think Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball kind of in a similar way as it did against Michigan. And I don't, I'm not saying they're going to run for 300, although I think they're capable of doing that. And I think J.K. Dobbins is going to have a monster game. Um, I think everything that Ohio State is built to do offensively sort of syncs up perfectly with what... I perceive to be the vulnerabilities on Clemson's defense. So um, it's not going to be easy. I think it's going to be awesome. I expect it to be a little bit, bit back and forth, probably a little slow going at the start as they feel each other out. But I think Ohio State wins by a field goal. The end.
2: You know, gas prefer air. Um, to me, I want to say this before I get into mine. These are. Sorry. We covered, what uh, was our first year of uh, the national championship year together, right? Yes, sir. Um, I can't remember how I felt to see that Ohio State team play Alabama that year. I'm assuming it felt very similar to this in terms of just excitement. But and we all picked Ohio State to lose. I will say that this might be the most excited I've ever been to watch Ohio State. Just in terms of like, to me, everything that we write about – Everything we talk about on this podcast, all of our questions and news conferences, Bill, are always gauged to put them in the context with Alabama and Clemson. So the opportunity to actually see where this team physically stands up with that team that has been at the forefront of our minds for years is very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And I, it's kind of a litmus test to see where Ohio State is at, at a program. And if they lose by three or win by three, I guess that that means it's maybe marginally different. But just to see them in that context. And I'm very curious to see, like I have an image of what I think Ohio State is in my brain, and I think it's going to either confirm or deny what I think of Ohio State by what happens on that field. Um, So what I think of Ohio State is that they are a top five program, um, and they are a full step behind Clemson and Alabama. And in 24 hours, 36 hours, that could change. And to me, as a sports writer who's trying to keep everything in context, that's an exciting feeling. So right now, if my uncle texted me this morning, oh, so who do you think's going to win the, the football game? And I said, flip a coin, heads Ohio State, tails Clemson, because that's kind of how I feel. I honestly don't know. I think the spread is an indication that Vegas doesn't know. Oh, Clemson hasn't been fully tested all year by a team that's capable of beating it. Ohio State has been tested a little bit more. But still, the Big Ten doesn't come close. You won't find anything in the Big Ten to what that compares to what they're going to be playing on Saturday.
1: God, what a shot at Rutgers.
2: Yeah. Sorry, Greg. Um, but I do think when you look at everything and, and you put all the teams on the table, both sides, there is one clear place where I know one team has an advantage. And that place is Ohio State's running game against Clemson's defensive line. Right, I, I do think that Clemson's defensive line took a hit last year. There's no more big daddy Dexter Lawrence in the middle there like um, they've had for the previous few years. I think that you know they have athletic defensive linemen, but I don't think anybody stacks up to some of the defensive linemen that Ohio State had to see the last time we were here at the Fiesta Bowl mm-hmm. um, covering this game. And I think Ohio State will be able to run the ball with relative ease. I don't disagree. So to me what other matchup to you do you think is like a clear advantage with these teams unless i'm missing something you're more the tactical mind on this so i want you to keep me in check is there a, there's area in this game that you think clemson has a clear advantage in this specific aspect of the game
1: no i I, th- I think you can say that if you want to tell me you like lawrence and the receivers more than you like ohio state secondary i'll listen to it I don't see any advantage where things seem potentially so lopsided as Ohio State's
2: run game against Clemson's front. So that's why I'm leaning toward Ohio State, too. Now, if Clemson comes out with T. Higgins and Justin Ross and, of course, Trevor Lawrence and throws for 350 yards and lights up the, game, the scoreboard, I would not be surprised by that because those guys are really freaking good. Mm-hmm. But Ohio State has had a very good defense all year. And I think that this defense, because of the 2017 recruiting class, is equipped to be able to hang with these guys. Now, I don't know if I like Ohio State winning the type of game that you're talking about. If you think that Ohio State's going to win a shootout, I would be more inclined to pick Clemson in that kind of scenario. I would, If I were betting this game, I would take Ohio State and split the points or straight up and the under. I think it's fair. Because if Ohio State's going to – get into a, a, a foot race with the most talented offensive between Etienne, the receivers. I mean, I like their offense better than Ohio state's offense. Hmm. I mean, I would take their athletes and that's a crazy thing to say when, you know, I go on and on and on about how talented Ohio state is offensively, but the whole package, I think I would still take them. And I, cause I think they've got a huge advantage at receiver. And I think that J.K., I asked you in the hotel room the other day, J.K. Dobbins or, or Travis Etienne, and I think you were like, Dobbins, no Etienne. They're not,
1: it's a toss-up. I think uh, it's – Dane Brugler wrote like a, a draft breakdown for for every bowl game and obviously spent more time in the playoff games. And in comparing Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins, he said that Etienne's probably a better athlete, but Dobbins is a better running
2: back. To me, again, you, you can win with both of those guys mm-hmm. is my point. Um, and I think you still have to take Lawrence over um, Justin Fields right now because Lawrence, A, is really freaking good, and B, has been on this stage. And as a quarterback, I think that's a distinct advantage. I agree. So to me, it all comes back down to who has the most advantage in the most critical area. And Ohio State has a bigger advantage in the running game. Um, but I also think that Ohio State has to get stops. It can't be one of these games where it's 33-30. to 30. Um, in the middle of the third quarter, and it goes way over the total. I I don't know if Ohio State is equipped to keep up blow for blow with Clemson if Clemson gets rolling. So I'm going to pick Ohio State, and I think I'm going to pick them 31 to 24, which is a touchdown better, um, but under the total, and that means I have confidence in Ohio State's defense to win the matchup. But I reserve the right to say, so you don't throw in my face, that that is also a very – Big guess because I don't know if Ohio State can contain those guys. So just based on my gut gut feeling right now, Ohio State runs the ball and they control the clock and the game because they have that advantage in the run game, and Ohio State's defense makes a few plays with a cornerback that's going to be taken in the top ten to slow down their offense, maybe force a turnover, and you know keep the game in check. Clemson will get theirs. They're too talented not to, but I think Ohio State wins a uh, an amazing football game that doesn't get carried away on the scoreboard. That's my gut feeling right now.
1: Yeah, I think you make a good point about about my score and and Ohio State's ability to run the ball. I, I don't know when I when I say that I, I I see the advantage that you see with Ohio State running the ball. I, I don't view it as like Ohio State's going to work the clock the entire game because Ohio State's never really done that even against Michigan. Ohio State ran the ball a lot against Michigan,
2: and I don't even mean intentionally. I just mean if you move if you get the ball going on the ground and you think that Dobbins could have thirty carries in this game. If Dobbins has 30 carries in this yeah, game, I, think, I don't yeah, know if there's enough carries. time for it to be 40-whatever-to-30-whatever.
1: Well, they put, up, like, 52 f- on Michigan this year, right?
2: Yeah. How many carries did J.K. Dobbins have against Michigan?
1: J.K. Dobbins against Michigan, if my internet will work faster, had 31 carries for 211 yards and four touchdowns in yeah. a 56-27 to win. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, think, I, 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 I just your point.
1: like. I think your point is a valid the, one.
2: Yeah, if I, 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 I still am going to stand by what I said. Yeah. I, I don't think that that. Ooh, sorry, that is evidence of um, what I'm saying not being true. I think that that's an interesting point, but this is a much different football team. Um, and Ohio State was scoring with relative ease against Michigan, and I think that you could, that the 30 carries in this game would probably look a little bit different than they would in that game.
1: It makes me feel insane to say this. I don't know how much better Clemson's defense is than Michigan's. I think it's better. I don't think it's like night and day better. I like, like, Brent Venable's scheme, I think, is not, like, as rigid as Don Brown, so he'll be able to find answers within what they do, I think, for whatever Ohio State does, and that's super important, because otherwise, Ryan Day will pick you apart, and I think Justin Fields will pick you apart, but in terms of just, like, athletes, I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts, and they're going to get out on the field on Saturday, and I'll I'll be proved totally wrong, but... Michigan has a smaller defensive line, and I think Clemson has a smaller defensive line, and that's why I I like Ohio State's ability to run the ball so much. And I thought it was funny, like Brent Venables, he was talking this week, and he was talking about last year's defense at Clemson compared to this one after the turnover they had. And he said about his defensive line, he said, we were big and strong up front last year, and now we've got a bunch of little squirts up there. And I thought that was funny, and also made me think, like, oh, he knows something. He's got something to try to stop Ohio State's run game. Maybe he – because I don't think he's just accepting defeat already. But I just don't know. I don't know – Isaiah Simmons is a freak. He's he's maybe... Is <laughs>
2: Michigan's of a freak?
1: No. But it's also one guy. And it's not like Chase Young. Isaiah Simmons is a freak. He might be the best defensive player outside of Chase Young I've watched this year. He probably is. I don't know if he's so dynamic that he just wrecks an entire game the way a guy like Chase Young could. Mm-hmm. And outside of him...
2: The thing that's interesting I just don't know. I don't to know. your point is if you look look at the NFL draft board, the NFL draft board right now would favor Ohio State considerably.
1: Yeah, I was at reading.
2: At in, in terms of first round talent, right? But I guess I depends, depends on where if,
1: you look, I guess. I think I would agree with you, and I think for the most part you're true, but I was looking at something on ESPN the other day that was ranking. The top 50 draft prospects just in the playoff, and and Ohio State had Okuda and Young up top, but then there was a gap until you got to like, I think it was like Sean Wade was like 14th. And there were a lot of Clemson guys in between, and I didn't agree with that. There were a couple, I think there was a couple of the Clemson defenders that were ahead of them, which didn't make any sense to me. Like A.J. Terrell is I think, a good corner, but I don't think he's better than Sean Wade or Jeff Okuda. I don't know. There's not really. Like Kavon Wallace is a pretty good safety, but I don't know if there it's was a corner
2: that they put ahead of Okuda. On, yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. I don't. I didn't get it. I don't know. No. No. Not ahead of Okuda. Ahead of Sean. Okay. Yeah. Because the way you said it, I think, I think Okuda be, was third. I think Young was first, and Okuda was third. Right. And then there were like four or five Clemson guys, I think, before we got to the next Ohio State guy, which was Sean. Yeah, I mean,
2: and the one thing we have to consider, Bill, too, is that aside from Baker Mayfield, Ohio State hasn't faced a quarterback like this, like ever. And I'm very interested to see what that means for Ohio State's I mean, for defense.
1: Sean Watson, when we were here last.
2: Yeah, time. I mean, like in the yeah. in the in the three-year gap since they played mm-hmm. Clemson again, they haven't. And um, you know, they they faced some good quarterbacks, and Baker Mayfield did what he did at you know Oklahoma one year. They beat him, and one year Baker lit it up. Yeah. But like, there's nobody in the Big Ten that Ohio State's faced that's like Clemson or Trevor Lawrence. Yep. But conversely, there's nobody that Clemson has faced in the. ACC, that's like Ohio State, which I think is why it's so hard to kind of pick this game because yeah. it's a relatively unknown. And I think that you a team can really fool you into thinking that um, they're better than they are. And I think everybody knows what Clemson's capable of when it's playing at the highest octane. But Clemson could be below average for what Clemson's been the last four or five years this year then you would never know it because they don't play anybody that can conspo- expose anything. I think when you look at Ohio State's schedule and what they had to play the last three weeks or the previous three games in a row, there was far more potential for Ohio State to be exposed by pretty solid teams than Clemson is. So like, if you had to like go by the fraud factor, I think there's a much lower chance that Ohio State's a fraud than Clemson. Not saying that they are, but if if one team is, I think that there was more benefit of the doubt given to Ohio state based on their schedule and what Clemson seen.
1: Say that again. You think Ohio state is,
2: if there's a chance that both of these teams are frauds or one of these teams are frauds uh-huh. based on their test, tests on their schedule i think there is a lower percent chance that ohio state is the fraud than clemson got it because they had been tested by teams more capable and more equipped to expose things that would make you fraudulent than clemson is yes so like clemson to me could be the best college football team in the world but if they have major weaknesses or they are very beatable more beatable than we think in our heads right now nobody on their schedule has done enough to show that they are so to me coming into this game and as a toss up I think all these little things make me lean towards Ohio State. And like I know it's crazy cuz you and I get told we're the negative ones but I think we're both kind of on the same track here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and like it gives me pause because it just seems like I'm not I'm not certain but I am I am, I would never bet on this game ever. I would never bet on the game but I am also I wouldn't say I'm not highly highly confident. But I am also surprised at how sure I feel about Ohio State's chances in this.
2: I don't feel sure at all. That's where I'm leaning to, but nothing would surprise me.
1: Yeah, maybe sure is the wrong word. Yeah, but sure, I, but sure yeah. I mean, sure suggested that like, I know I'm, I'm not going to be right, and I don't know that, but I feel, I feel firmer in my belief that Ohio State going to win than I thought I would. Because I
2: feel like I'm like grasping at straws here.
1: Yeah. I don't I think the run game advantage is a real thing.
2: I think part of the reason why I'm so excited to watch the game is because I don't know yeah hmm we got the thinker over here
1: I just like I'm wondering if I, I I'm wondering if I'm just like totally wrong
2: and this also could be one of those games too bill where when it's over with you go oh yeah no shit (laughs) right because that's happened a few times too of like i think i talked myself into picking ohio state when they played clemson in 16 and then at the end of that year when clemson won thirty-one to nothing it was like oh deshaun watson torched this team and they had no offensive options to do anything against this defense oh no shit but i don't
1: know like i don't know if deshaun watson did torture deshaun watson ran well against ohio state I thought Ohio State's defense was good in 2016. Yeah, no, I, they I mean, were good 31 enough. points, were, I guess, they is the torch is the wrong they word. They were on the but, field a lot.
2: But for us to think that Ohio State could win that game, I think looking back at it, the 2016 team could play Clemson 50 times and win 45 maybe, mm-hmm. or I mean lose 45 times and win five, and I think that's generous.
1: I just think Ohio State, if, if you if you had equal talent, and I know they went on the road and beat Oklahoma that year and they beat Michigan in the shoe that year in a classic kind of game, Ohio State was very easy to figure out that year, and Clemson yeah, did the it.
2: Where's, where's Waldo? Thing was the most interesting quote we had all week. Where's yeah? Where's Curtis Samuel? And
1: honestly, JT Barrett's not like JT Barrett running was awesome for Ohio State for a long time. It was not really dynamic enough to win you a game like that. And I think you know we're saying it with the benefit of hindsight now, but um, Brent Venables knew that going into that game, and I think he looks at this Ohio State team and he's basically said as much as like it's not it's not that easy. I just think yeah. Ohio State on both sides of the ball has a lot more answers than it than it really has. It wouldn't even have more answers than it had in 2014, because I even think in 2014 you basically knew what you were going to get. They just like executed at a crazy high level. And Alabama, yeah. frankly, like that was a, that was as far as Alabama goes. That wasn't a great Alabama team, especially on offense. And Oregon had a really good offense in a kind of a crappy league and beaten an overrated Florida State team and then Ohio State smashed them in a national championship. I'm not trying to belittle what Ohio State did that year.
2: I mean, the path this year to winning a national championship is unquestionably harder than it been. much, 14. much harder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I also think Ohio State can do it because yeah. I think this is the most complete team that I've seen. Since and I keep I've been telling
2: covers. people this is the best and most complete team that I've covered in 10 years. So if you think that, then at this point, we've been telling these people this all year. So what am I going to do? Go pick Clemson against the the best team I've seen at Ohio State in 10 years? It doesn't even seem right. Like, I, I, like, part of me wanted to pick Clemson, but it just, it wouldn't be consistent with my thought process of what this team was all year. And, like, this yeah. is the most positive I've been about an Ohio State football team for the longest period of time since I've been a professional reporter in my entire, in my entire career. Yeah. There's no overt weakness. They have balance on offense. They have talented people on this, the, the two most important positions on the defense, defensive end and corner. They've got top five picks there. They've got a really crazy good running back. They've got a, group of young receivers their offensive line is protecting well I I, I honestly don't know like what do you say like where do you attack Ohio State like I I, I, and and you want to hear something crazy look at me Bill Ohio State has more talent on their freaking roster for sure. There's more talent.
1: They're the most talented team in the play. So that's
2: like the Ari uh, manual right there. Yeah. And it's just like, and I have to write a story, and I'm going to write a story for the day of the game about how Clemson is the exception to the rule. But if we're going through the 247 Sports Composite Player Index, Ohio State is ranked two, and I think, what, is Clemson 12?
1: No, I think Clemson was ninth. Let me pull it up real quick.
2: Either way. Ohio State has more fundamental talent on their team than, than Clemson does, and I always pick with talent.
1: 2019 composite team talent from 247 Sports. Ohio State is two. LSU is five. Clemson or Oklahoma is eight. Clemson is nine. Yeah. They're so all top ten, but yeah, Clemson's last. So
2: it's Oklahoma. funny, yeah. It is, And hilarious. that's part of the reason why I'm going to write a story saying that Clemson's the best talent evaluating program in the country. Um, this is my, my column I'm working on right now. Um, but... At the same time, Ohio State has more pure, natural talent on their team than Clemson does. So,
1: Ryan Ginn just sent us a text message. Ryan Ginn, former Ohio State writer, who's now a law student at Tulane, said if y'all don't have me on the podcast in January, he's canceling his subscription. Maybe if it's Ohio State versus LSU, we can have him on the podcast. Yeah. He knows both sides
2: very well. We'll do our best, Ryan. And he's a totally rational. We're totally rational person viewer, that doesn't freak out ever. of college football. <laughs> <laughs> and impartial, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it. Huh. We're both going to just pick Ohio State and relatively close State. games
1: In relatively close games. I'm, I guess mine's a little, you're touched. What was yours? 31-24. 31-24. Yeah. So I'm 38-35. Do you think a blowout for either sides on the table?
2: Blowout. I think Ohio blowout State
1: winning 20 or more.
2: I think Ohio State is more likely to lose by 20 or more than to win by 20 or more.
1: I would agree with that, but I think it only happens if, like, Justin Fields' knee is, like, way worse than we think it is.
2: Yeah. Or if Ohio State's defense just can't contain the talent. And I don't know if that's on the table or not, but those receivers are are, are nasty.
1: They're really good.
2: And they're very big.
1: They're big, and they're rangy, and they have good catch radius. And
2: They make insane catches. Is that what that means? Is that, like, the fancy way of saying it? It just
1: means that they can get to. They have long arms and can get to different areas. But you I don't know. think they're – their speed doesn't jump out to me. Like I don't – I don't I don't know if they're going to just like run by Ohio State's defensive backs and catch deep balls. But they could win 50-50 balls with Jeff Okuda and Damon Ardent and then run after the catch I suppose. But I don't – Justin Ross or T. Higgins, I don't look at his guys who are just going to burn Ohio State's secondary. Yeah. And I think like a physical kind of passing game might play into Ohio State's strengths a little bit. Yeah. Cause I don't really know how fast Ohio State is on the back end, but they are pretty technically sound. You know what, I,
2: what I, I didn't tell you this, but and I thought it was funny. Um, speaking of talented receivers, yesterday after Ohio State's media day, Garrett Wilson came up to me, and he said, I know you've been telling everybody I've been making that Justin Ross catch, uh in a playoff game man i'm gonna try not to let you You down yeah (laughs) and i thought it was so funny like he was like aware of like my my prophecy since watching justin ross because you've asked him the question (laughs) 1500 times yeah but like that's a good story it was a really good story when i wrote it a year ago and i think that there is a chance that garrett wilson will make a play in the game that everybody goes holy shit look what happened
1: yeah, I think he might have texted it to me, like like when like during the national when it championship. Happened, yeah. yeah, I think like, this is going to be Garrett Wilson. This is going to be Garrett Wilson, and I don't disagree. I just think it's. But funny now that Garrett.
2: we're actually here a day before the game, what we've seen from Garrett Wilson, do you think that he has a chance to do it?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to have to. I think he's going to have to. I think like I think he and Olave are going to have to have monster games, and not monster in the sense that you know they have to have. Ten catches each, but I think they're going to have to make tough catches like that, yeah. or
2: one catch that goes that changes the game. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And if Justin, like if Justin Fields misses misses a throw by a couple inches, but you got to go do something crazy, like keep one heel or one toe on the turf in bounds yeah. and reach your entire body into the bench and grab them before it's a grant. Like yeah, you which do I also kind of think stuff.
2: is Ohio State's weakness for the last three years.
1: I don't know those kind of catches. Those
2: kind of crazy. They have reliable receivers like KJ Hill who will make the play that's in front of them, but I don't know if they've had a receiver. Since Devin Smith or Michael Thomas that could go up and get a catch and do something crazy with it,
1: I think Garrett can. Um, KJ Hill I don't like play like doesn't like play above the rim like that, but I think he's got pretty strong hands. And Olave, above the rim is a good way to put it. Alave I, I don't know, but Garrett Wilson I think definitely can. I think Ben Victor can too. They don't use him like that. That was one of the big things that jumped out to me when I was watching Clemson. It's like Justin Ross and T Higgins are gigantic, and Clemson lets them go be gigantic receivers. And Ohio State doesn't have tremendous size of receiver, but the one guy they do that has tremendous size is Ben Victor. And they don't I don't really, know if he's strong enough to play like that. Maybe. They don't they don't use him that way. Maybe that's it. Do you think he's strong enough? I don't know, maybe not. I mean I think it's a fair yeah. question. I don't know. I don't know if we've seen him in those situations enough to know whether he is or not. I mean Ohio he did State's, make one. <laughs> Ohio State's been fine to get here. Yeah, I mean the Penn State catch is the kind of catch I'm talking about. Yeah. Um so I don't yeah, I think maybe he could be. Do you if it gets if Ohio State if it does get out of hand out of hand, and Ohio State loses by let's say, just say uh, more than ten. What's it? Lo- what does that look like to you? How does that happen, or why does
2: 38-24?
1: But even not even score wise, like why? Why do, why do you think that happens? Is it because of these guys we're talking about, Ross and Higgins? You just can't contain them.
2: I just think that they have too much offensive explosiveness to contain. And like to me, like I, I and I'm be curious to ask this back to you, but what wins in college football elite elite offense or elite elite defense
1: i think elite offense wins more often than defense
2: which is funny because the whole saying of defense wins championships like kind of isn't true that's not true in college football well because i think that it's, it's like, really it's like to me like if ohio state comes out and holds clemson to 24 or 31 that's a great game yes. which is the point that you made in 2016 right yeah so like if the Ohio State loses by multiple touchdowns it's because they couldn't stop them from scoring 48.
1: Yeah, it's like it's the defense wins championships things is like a terribly cliché terribly cliché one, but it also it's just it's hard it's hard to see it I think because if Ohio State if the if the score is what you said if it's 31-24 and Clemson has 400 something yards of offense and is moving the ball between the 20s but then doesn't score enough when it gets into the red zone, that's really good defense. Right. And, like, that is that is the definition, if you want to say it, like, like with defense winning Enforcing the Enforcing turnovers is important, too. Yeah.
2: And I don't think – Lawrence had an interception problem earlier in the year, didn't he?
1: He did. He had eight interceptions, I believe, in his first seven games and hasn't thrown one since.
2: So, you know, jumping in front of one or, you know, somebody putting the ball on the ground or something like that definitely plays a factor into this, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's aggressive. He, he, and I think that's what part of what makes him good. He's And I talked to um, his high school coach who is now the receivers coach at Coastal Carolina for a story I read earlier in the week about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence that I suggest you read before the game on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash 4-6. Still get you 40% off. Um,
2: that was my terrible job of being a host. I was supposed to do that, right? got <laughs>
0: all
1: right. We got, we got there. Um, Trevor Lawrence's high school coach is like, I'd rather have a quarterback who's willing to make this kind of throws, and sometimes they get picked off. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's a fluke bounce, but at least you – have the the confidence in yourself and the confidence in your teammates that makes those makes those was kind of throws.
2: Our big criticism of JT Barrett.
1: Yes, and the reason why we're real excited about Dwayne Haskins. And to be honest, Justin Fields has not done that. I think mostly because he hasn't had to
2: more close to JT than Dwayne in the decision making process.
1: He plays it a little safer. I mean, he threw forty touchdowns, but he yeah. plays it. He plays it a little safer. I think.
2: I mean, risk wise, but. He's gotten. They've designed a really hell of a good offense around him.
1: Yes, he takes fewer risks throwing the ball than Dwayne Haskins did for sure. Um, and he might have to take some against against. Not might. Clemson. It was funny. Pro Football Focus did a thing. They they like tracked like, I think it was like interceptable passes, and I think like in the last nine games, like uh, Trevor Lawrence has thrown like one, and uh, Justin Fields has thrown like five. And I don't remember remember five throws where I thought to myself like oh that was close. There have been a couple for Justin Fields, but I think for the most part he does he does take, make safe throws, and that's by design because he's a young quarterback, and that's how how Ryan Day's designed the offense. But this might be a little different, or it will be a little yeah, different. Yeah,
2: I'm very so. excited to see um, Justin Fields and how he. I think the the eighty five percent or ninety percent or ninety four percent or whatever all that's bullshit. Like I don't care. Like I don't think that the game changes based on him being ninety percent or eighty five percent. I think 85% is good. If he's worse than 85 and he's lying, that's a problem. But as long as he's 85 or better, I don't think that's going to change the game. And he said he was going to ride off adrenaline. It'll be fine. I'm very excited to see this sophomore who everybody thought that Ohio State had to protect all year has progressed in 13 games against some pretty good defenses and some tough road environments. Now, is he going to go be a superstar? Because at a certain point, like Trevor Lawrence is a superstar and they're the same age. Yep. Like at a certain point we have to start and like it is funny to me but if you go back and you look at every story that you and I have written we both write one story off of every game this year neither of us have written I did the only the first time sure. we wrote a Justin Fields feature off of a game was the Michigan game and that was because of how crazy that whole sequence was of him getting injured coming back and throwing that touchdown pass yep. to Garrett Wilson but I'm I'm very curious to see if Ohio State can win a national championship if Justin Fields isn't a superstar. And I know that he was a Heisman Trophy finalist, I know he racked up numbers, but I don't know if he's had a superstar moment of holy crap, this guy is this guy is this is legit and i know he's legit you get what i'm saying the, the difference yeah, between like yeah, being really good and being a star yeah. i don't know if he's a star yet and like this is the when you make yourself become a star and like i feel like that's kind of been like in my head what my story was going to be from day one of like when this playoff was announced like what's the story with justin fields you know what it kind of reminds me of too um the ncaa tournament my last year covering basketball for cleveland.com and then when you took over what was your first year
1: the year after D'Angelo. So,
2: the year of D'Angelo. I can't remember. Is that 16? That was, 16 that was or uh, 14, 15. I wrote great stories about D'Angelo all year. D'Angelo Russell and how amazing he was of a player. And then in the tournament, I think he shot three for 19 or something and they lost to U of A. He got
1: locked up. He didn't get locked by Sixers up. Sixers legend TJ McConnell.
2: But he was missing shots and, you know, and then I wrote a story after the game. Well, the guy's going pro. This isn't. This wasn't good enough. And I remember that ruffled some people's feathers because he was the best player on the team. But at a certain point, you got to be a superstar when it matters the most. And in the NCAA tournament, in that game, he wasn't. And I think yeah. that Justin Fields has to be if they're going to win this game. If he's if he's going to be so-so, average, banged up, however many versions of Justin Fields exist in this universe, he has to be in the upper echelon of, the, of those versions of himself.
1: I don't disagree with that. I don't. I don't know if I'd make the comparison only because that Ohio State team was pretty bad, and the only reason it got to the oh, tournament, oh for in the sure, first for sure, for sure. But but I, I agree with you with with how Justin needs to play against Clemson. So I have two questions for you. One, do you think he has gotten better over the course of the year? And two, how confident are you that he can be that kind of player you're talking about?
2: I think he's gotten better over the course of the year, but I don't think Ohio State ever stopped protecting him. Does that make sense? I don't think they ever let him go. Let it fly. I think that all of his routes are safe routes. Um, There's no Baker Mayfield. There's no crazy Tate running around in the Independence Bowl. Like, I want want to see him, and this might be harsh, and I might be wrong. So if I'm wrong, I want you to tell me I'm wrong in that Landis voice. (laughs) I want him to go do something out of nothing. And I don't know how many instances of, like, breathtaking plays there have been this year where he just, Justin Fields, the shit out of everything, and just, does it, you know and I think there were a few um, escape routes I think he had against Penn State on that first drive where he got first downs with his legs on plays that were completely broken down Yep. and you know I'm not saying but I, you know what I mean like mm-hmm. just go out there and just let it rip Um, maybe throw throw a pass you wouldn't have thrown and I know against a team that might be more likely to get picked off like a team like Clemson but you do it and just go out and, and play the game and let it fly like Trevor Lawrence was so freaking good last year during the playoff run. And part of that was, like, just letting it rip and letting your guys go up and make plays. And I think Ohio State does have the guys to go let do it. And I think Justin Fields could become a college football superstar before our eyes. Like, Trevor Lawrence wasn't a Heisman finalist, but I bet you he's a more recognizable name than Justin Fields in the world of college football, right? Mm-hmm.
1: The long hair helps. But. I also
2: think, yeah, I mean, image is, is crucial. And Justin Fields also doesn't really say anything that entertaining ever and that all, always plays a part in it. But I, I think that there is a chance that he can level the playing field. And that's one of the major storylines of this football game. You can, you wrote a really good story about this. So please go subscribe, rate and review <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, our podcast, wherever you're listening to it. And please consider signing up for the athletic for all of our coverage from uh, Scottsdale, um, www.theathletic.com slash four six. Um, but you wrote a really good story about that bill. Um, two generational talents a quarterback playing high school football what 20 minutes or 20 miles away from each other
1: 20 miles away from each other never played each other in high school the only time they're really ever on the field in the competitive competitive situation was at the opening five well the elite yeah. 11 but then really the seven and Justin seven, Fields one yeah, 7-on-7. Seven seven. Justin Fields was the MVP of the Elite 11 that year, and his team beat Trevor Lawrence's team in a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament at the opening, which like means nothing, but that's the only time they've ever been on the field together. And obviously, people were in the comments of the story saying this, like, I understand how football works and that it's not quarterback versus quarterback. That wasn't the point, and if you think that, I think you're a dumbass. Um, <laughs> that wasn't the point of the story. That
2: was Bill Landis uh, <laughs> saying on the podcast what he wishes sometimes he could say in the comments.
1: That wasn't the point of the story, but thank you for pointing that out. Um I do – I think Lawrence – I mean, Lawrence has been a starter for now basically two full seasons. He hasn't lost. He's has a national championship. Justin Fields has been great this year. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. That's something Trevor Lawrence hasn't done. But if you put all of it together, Trevor Lawrence is clearly ahead of where Justin Fields is right now. Can Justin Fields pass him? Pass him? I think they are equally talented.
2: Do you think he could pass him in the world of college football if they win?
1: Yeah, but well, it's just like – like, I, I,
2: I but well, it's fun shit, Bill. I mean, yeah, like, is, no, it, it is, it, it
1: is, it is. I don't. I'm not saying it's not. I just don't like really know what that means. But of course, like if yeah,
2: I'm saying like whoever wins that, this, yeah.
1: whoever wins this game is going to be like the preseason Heisman Trophy favorite, if that's what you're talking about. And whoever wins this game is going to be considered the best quarterback in college football going in the next season. Um, and then both those guys are going to come out and try to buy to be the first quarterback taken in the in the draft after that. So, so it's yeah, twin brothers. Yeah, they're linked. They're linked in crazy way. They have the same personal quarterbacks coaching with the high school twenty miles apart. They were the top two prospects in the twenty eighteen recruiting class, or two of the best rec- quarterback prospects in the internet recruiting era. The only the only guy who was better than him was Vince Young. Like they're linked in all these different ways. And
2: even at the opening, it was between those two.
1: Yeah, and like this is another way that they're going to be linked. Like the outcome of this game, if you care about that narrative at all, the impact, the outcome of this game is going to impact how people view these two guys. Um, I don't know. I don't think Justin Fields has to be otherworldly good for Ohio State to win this game, nor do I think Trevor Lawrence has to be otherworldly good for Clemson to win this game, because I think their teams are about more than that, but I do think it's on the table, and I think Justin Fields is capable to like show up on the stage in the Fiesta Bowl and like remind people why everyone at the opening thinks that he's like the greatest quarterback they've ever seen. They call
2: him Cam Newton. I mean, like they, they say crazy shit.
1: They love him. They 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 spent a week more than a week with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, and they love both of these guys.
2: Bet the mortgage,
1: but they like Fields more. And I don't like they're they're they are it, it's to their benefit to say good things about everybody who comes through there. But they, you and I have both talked to people who have been part of that organization, and they all almost to a man, it's a physicality thing like Justin Fields. It's more. about
2: it's about what they're physically capable of doing. Yeah, and Justin Fields is a more gifted natural athlete, which is I think why. But that doesn't mean he's a better quarterback. I think they love what he is with his intangibles and um, the fact that he is as big as he is and can run as fast and has an arm strong enough to do the things that he does makes him a very easy person to grade from a quarterback draft perspective. But that doesn't mean that the person who is more freaky athletic is going to give you a better chance to win a football game. So, like that's like I'm very curious to see if he can go from highest rated prospect to ever play at Ohio State based on the 247 sport composite rankings to one of the best quarterbacks who's ever played here
1: okay let's go with quarterbacks who what is the most intriguing matchup the matchup you're most excited to see or guy you're most excited to watch outside of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields
2: um, it's a tie. Can I can I pick two or do I have yeah. to pick one? You can pick as many as you want. T. Higgins and Justin Ross against Ohio State secondary. Sean Wade and Okuda, assuming Wade's completely healthy again. Um, and of course, I cannot wait to watch Jackson Carmen and how he holds up against um, Chase Young in the limited times that they probably face each other. Because I know they're going to move Young around a lot. He's probably going to stand up a little bit, rush from the middle a little bit. But if you go back and read some of my early stories on Jackson Carmen, like they were they were saying this guy was Orlando Pace you know what i mean and i, I
1: told like, that to the charles bentley i, t- I said to the charles bentley you know there's two guys in the last couple of years that they've compared to orlando pace it was paris johnson and jackson carmen he goes well they can slow the hell down
2: <laughs> yeah no i mean orlando pace is like i shook the guy's hand once and he's his hand swallowed my hand yeah now granted i've got the smallest male hands on planet earth <laughs> but like he had like each finger was a banana like he <laughs> banana hands like from shallow al
0: yeah,
2: yeah. um but I just want, I want to see with my own two eyes yes. how a five-star offensive tackle from Ohio who I raked Ohio State over the Coles for missing on um, has developed. And what is this, year three now for him?
1: No, it's year two. Year two, it? I mean? Yeah, year two.
2: And, like, the guy that they got instead of him, Nicholas Petit-Friere, who was actually rated higher than him in the in the composite rankings, is still buried on the depth chart while he's starting at Clemson. And. Um, Let's see what it looks like in the big boy leagues when you got the number one overall pick potentially going up against you. I'm really looking forward to seeing that, and of course you got to see how Ohio State's offensive line holds up because the number one knock I think from fans in general, whether it's rational or not, has been Ohio State's pass pro.
1: Yeah, like blitz pick up and that kind of stuff, and it's going to be it's going to need to be on, on point with the way that Brett Venables does things. Um, so i I'm, I'm excited to watch that. I agree with the things that you mentioned. Um, I think this could potentially be a really big game for Malik Harrison against a guy like Travis Etienne because Etienne's a really strong, fast, powerful runner. And Malik Harrison is a really strong, fast, powerful linebacker. And those two guys meeting in the open field, I think is, is going to go a long way in determining how this game goes. Cause you have to get ETN on the ground. And it's not just one guy. You got to gang tackle like Ohio State's done all year. And Ohio State's tackling hasn't been great. The last couple of games, I think some of that's born out of fatigue and playing the games it had to play over the last three weeks of the season. Um, and I'm very curious to see what Ohio State does. This isn't really a matchup thing, but I was going to write about this. I'm not going to. And if it ends up happening during the game, I'll definitely write about it. But I'm just gonna, not going to write about it before the game. Um, what they do with their safeties and if Josh Proctor plays a lot. I tried to talk with Josh Proctor about that at media day. And, of course, he wasn't going to say, like, oh, yeah, here's our game plan. But we saw Ohio State go to a lot of – not a lot, but, but more to high safety looks than we've seen them do for most of the season against Michigan and against Wisconsin – And I kind of like Ohio State's defense when it's two high safeties and you can walk Jordan Fuller down into the box and you can play Josh Proctor in the deep middle and have some versatility in that way. And I think that can help against a passing attack like Clemson's. Um, It puts more premium on the front and the linebackers to handle ETN and the offensive line. But I think it might be Ohio State's best course of action in this game. So I'm wondering if they think the same thing and if they'll play Josh Proctor a lot and if we'll get to see – like, we didn't really get to see Millie Cooker at all until he was finally a starter in his junior year or redshirt sophomore year. I think maybe we might get to see the, the flash of Josh Proctor that we all thought we would have seen probably earlier this year and he's been hurt. I think it might show up in the Fiesta Bowl and then set him up for a really strong year next year. It's his first time uh, starting. Von Bell. Von Bell.
2: How Wait. many minutes have we been going at this, Bill? Are we – I think we can wrap it up, man. I'm excited. I'm very excited, guys. Thank I'm excited you. for both games. I'm ex- you know what sucks is being the second game and missing it because I don't know how we're going to have to coordinate our, our shuttle over to the stadium um, because –
1: I remember the last time we were here, I was watching the uh, Washington-Alabama game I'm on my phone on the bus right over. And then
2: we watched the, the yeah. end of it at at the stadium. But um, I just wanted to say for Bill and myself, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those who subscribe. Uh now, thank you to you if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic. <laughs> um, but we'd like you to do that. Now is a good time. Um, get 40% off a subscription. Catch up on all of our coverage here from Scottsdale. Um, and, of course, throughout the, the game and into the offseason, and, right, and away we go again. So... Um, thanks so much. Enjoy the game. Uh, Bill and I will have coverage from the stadium after the game. I'm assuming we'll do a wrap-up podcast from Phoenix before we head home. And if I just made a promise I can't keep, then whatever. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll, we'll be at it and providing you coverage f- until the end of time. So for Never Bill, ever. I'm Ari. Thank you so much. Uh, that was 4-6 to six with A&B.